0: Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things Human Factors, psychology, and design.
1: Hey, everybody, it is episode 164. Today is April 30th, 2020, that's right, Uh, and it's Human Factors Cast. We're here, it's me and Blake Arnsdorf, uh, just kind of hanging out over the internet,
2: Doing the, doing the thing, doing the video thing again. Another day, another awesome conversation on the internet.
1: You've got a lot of nice, really nice windows in your place, man. I never noticed that before.
2: It's the best. Yeah, well, I'm actually out in the kitchen right now because that's where I work. Um, so I've, I've got my setup out here, so there's a lot more light and windows going on. Yeah, I like it. Anyway, hey, we
1: got some uh, great news stories this week. We're tackling some questions from the community as well. So the news stories, we got UPS and CVS are teaming up to offer a prescription drug delivery to Florida community via drone. So more of this drone delivery. And then we also have uh, this uh, 8360 Nova uh, and this is uh, this is a uh, we're just gonna say it's a ball of VR. It's it's just one big ball of VR. So <laughs> Literally, <laughs> we'll just, yeah. We'll just keep it at that. Uh, but first day, we got some programming notes. Uh, we do have Human Factors Minute coming out every every Tuesday for you patrons. Uh, we we love that. It's it's been great. In fact, we just made a big push to push out. Um, a bunch more content and we're kind of sourcing feedback. So if you're a, if you're a patron, a patron and you've listened to some of them, please let us know in the uh, Slack. Uh, we want to know. We want to make sure that as we're going forward and producing, like I said, we've produced a year from March, so we'll be good until March of next year. But going forward, we want to make sure we're incorporating some of your feedback to make sure it's the best show that it can possibly be. Um, this is a highly produced highly researched thing we're super proud of it. if you have a buck or two to spare go support us on patreon oh who is it oh hello <laughs> <laughs> go go support us on patreon patreon uh really help out the show everything goes back to uh running the show like our uh web hosting fees and all that stuff uh anyway the, we'll we'll just uh we'll just leave that there and the shows are shorter if you haven't caught on by now Blake and I are trying to keep things a little bit tighter during uh During the global pandemic, just to, uh, in a way to offset the fact that not everybody's commuting now, so it's harder to listen to shows, uh, and honestly, it's, uh, it gives us a little bit more focus with the news stories, we're, we're talking about the positive stuff, you know, there's a bunch of news stories out there with the global pandemic, and we want to avoid those, so we're just focusing on the positive stuff, uh, like John Krasinski in Some Good News, we're just, we're just basically, uh, looking at the good stuff, and talking about that, um, yeah, with that being said, Blake, what's what's going on in your beautiful, well-lit world? Oh,
2: it's so good in the well-lit world. Man, I so I'm making a conscious effort to for next week because I swear every Monday I wa- I wake up and for whatever reason I'll be thinking about Human Factors cast, whether it's because I like see somebody dropping stories in the Slack, whatever it may be. But I swear I had the best piece of banter earlier this week on Monday when I was sitting on the couch getting ready to go to work. And you didn't write it down. I, didn't write it down, didn't leave it in my like slack messages for myself so I'm super bummed because I feel like I had a lot that we could have gone and talked about but we'll try again next week. but other other than that man, everything's going fine. It would be nice if I would you know set nice reminders for myself uh, but I don't know. I mean how do you do you ever have like random thoughts about how? What you want to talk about in banter, and do you keep track of it, or you just hold it in your head?
1: Uh, I do both. I I definitely do write stuff down on our like show notes. Uh, you know, if if I think of something, or I'll just jot it down on a piece of paper on my on my uh, recording studio desk, uh, or you know, just something like that. Uh, most of the time, I had something pretty strong that I can just remember. But if it's something that I'm like,
2: mm, I'm gonna forget this, then I I will definitely write it down. Yeah. So. One of these days i'll figure it out but nick what's been going on in your world man well
1: let me tell you what's been going on in my world so uh since i guess it's been a couple months here i mentioned on the show that this year i was going to start a project that would involve me in several different aspects of uh making and so one of those aspects be like woodworking or prop making or electronics And I'm at the confluence right now where it's all starting to meet. So I actually just got done with kind of the woodworking piece, which wasn't that really um, intensive. It was literally just cutting out some holes in some MDF, medium density fiberboard, for some buttons to go into. However, um, part of it is going to be, you know, painting this thing. And to do that on MDF, you have to seal it first with a special sealer and then paint it. And then I'm going to add some, like, props to it. So... They call these things like greeblies that's just basically making this thing look like Star Wars with little elements that look like they're from a galaxy far, far away, right? You just tack them on, add some pinstriping, that type of thing. So that's kind of the prop making side combined with the woodworking side. And now I mentioned that there's buttons on there as well. And something that I've been doing over the last week has been spending a lot of time in the Arduino IDE. So I have been Really, kind of trying to figure out how to code up an Arduino, and um, it's been both rewarding and frustrating, as you can imagine, coding is. And I will say, like, I've learned so much over the last week, just kind of futzing around with this breadboard and Arduino board. And I've had this Arduino since like 2016. Um, And I just never did anything with it. And now I have an idea for it. And I'm starting to learn the coding language. I think it's C++. But I I think uh, something that's kind of human factors-y to me about that is that Um, I have very minimal experience with coding like all my experience with coding has been very cursory you know HTML CSS maybe just moving things here or there Uh, I think the most advanced I've got was like with visual basic even in like a Microsoft Office product creating advanced macros if you will and uh, so like my coding experience is fairly limited. Um, and I will say, like, one thing about using this Arduino IDE and the the programming language is it's, it's very easy to understand, and I was kind of shocked by that. Um, you know, there are some things, like, my mission right now, and this sounds very simplistic, you press one button, a light pattern happens across two LEDs. You press another button, that's, that light pattern is reversed across the two LEDs. And in both instances, when you press a the button, a sound will play, right? Right. Very simple, right? It sounds very simple to code up, although I'm having a whole lot of trouble. Um, And the the thing is, and I feel like I'm rambling here, so I'll give you a chance to kind of give me your thoughts on coding here. But I, I feel like in most instances where I look at coding and I look at what's possible, I say, okay, there's no way I could ever do that. Uh, but looking at this project right now, right in front of me, I actually have the breadboard. I I showed it to you right before the show. I have it right in front of me. Looking at this project, I have everything wired up. I just know I have to get the logic right in the, the IDE, in the language, before it works. And to me, that is encouraging, whereas most projects, I'm very much like, I could never do that in a million years. With this, I'm looking at it, I'm like, I can do
2: this. I can
1: do this. Blake what's been you That's
2: pretty interesting man cuz like <laughs> if you think about it C++ and stuff like that is a very much more low level programming language so there's a lot you have to do and like a whole bunch of instructions you have to give the machine in order for it to do what you want it to do whereas something like JavaScript is much more like, you, you already have a lot of logic built into it that it's working on top of. Like, you're not giving the machine a lot of things to work with. It's, like, the browser's doing a whole bunch of stuff before you're in the background. So I'm sure it is difficult, but it sounds like you have a really positive attitude about how to tackle it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. It's, like, I I have heard that Arduinos are e- easy on the spectrum of things to learn, right? I won't say it's it's super easy, but I would say it's easier than other things that I've encountered – uh, I, th- I would think the learn- learning curve even on this is more uh, forgiving than even something like HTML or CSS. And uh, that's from the perspective of being able to set something up from scratch um, without like a bootstrapper or whatever and just editing parameters, right? that That seems very easy to me. But when you're actually trying to create HTML and CSS from scratch, it's a lot of stuff that you have to remember in your head. With this, I feel like, uh, the answers are provided in a lot of the examples that are included in the development environment, which is nice. Um, so anyway, I, I just it's an incredibly positive experience with coding. I've, I've been frustrated, obviously. Like, why does this not work? I'm just trying to get these lights to
2: flash and not flash and doing these things. But, so before we get away <laughs> from it, like, what really is the Arduino for anybody who hasn't heard of one? So an Arduino is a
1: basically like a, a small. Thank you for that, Blake. It's a small. Um, It's a small computer, if you will. And it does very simple things, but you can do some really cool things with it. So um, you can buy like a a starter kit or something, and it comes with all these different components. um, And I'll I'll actually link one in the the description below. Um, But the the concept of an Arduino is that you are basically creating a microprocessor for a... uh, a function that you want to happen, right? So in this case, I am creating something that will flash LEDs and play sounds when I press buttons. Very simple. You can also do things like build a robot that will uh, sense walls and navigate around through the use of different sensors that you can plug directly into the Arduino and, um, you know, have it display certain things with certain components. And basically, all these things are plug and play onto the Arduino. You just use a breadboard. And then once you're all set, you just kind of Wire them in and solder it all together and you're good. Um, And you have a working thing that operates off a battery or you can plug it into a wall. It does really cool things. Like I've seen um, people, you know, basically creating a uh, Arduino um, timer for washing their hands that will play their favorite songs or like play a playlist You know, 20 seconds from any song to make sure that you're washing your hands for 20 seconds. So there's a lot of cool things you can do with it, Um, like even create a self-watering plant where you embed a sensor into the ground and it'll detect moisture. And if there's no moisture detected, it'll water from another thing. It's pretty cool, man.
2: There's so much you can do there. Yeah. So it makes sense that you're using kind of a lower level programming language because that's like a lot of, you know, machine sensing and then the machine has to interpret that and then do something. That's really cool though. I didn't realize there was such like a wide breadth of things you could do with one of those.
1: Yeah, and it's very simple. Like if you're looking at the actual Arduino board, it is very compact. It fits in the palm of my hand and you can add these things called arduino shields to the top of it. it it basically adds functionality right so you can add like an mp3 shield and it'll uh basically reference mp3s on a sd card and you can pull it out and that's how i'm doing the uh the sound effects right and oh, okay and it, so
2: is it kind of like a ri- raspberry pi if you've heard of that less powerful um it's gotcha. less
1: powerful than a raspberry pi um and less expensive too. I think, I think, uh, like one of the packs, I think is like 40 bucks or something. Very, very reasonable for an entry level computer programming thing that you can do, you know, in one of these packs. I think like a $40 pack or something comes with a bunch of sensors, a bunch of displays, um, like an LCD display. So you can do something with that. It comes with a LED array. So it's like the, the, the square. Uh, array of LEDs that you can program it to say words and stuff. It comes with like the Back to the Future type uh, lettering, or or um, what is that? What is that called when you have like the the Back to the Future type number systems, like uh, November fifth, nineteen fifty five? You know all that stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. That is that is a lot of kind of like value for just forty bucks. I know Raspberry Pis are pretty expensive. Yeah, and
1: and the nice thing about uh, Arduino's is that it's all open source and so like you can find a lot of code out there that's already been established. Um, I've been looking for the one that you know I'm trying to do but uh, I'm sure it's out there but um, I just I've been modifying the basics and I took an like an intro to Arduino class and um, you know I've been actually trying to learn it because I'd like to do more complex things somewhere down the line but for now I'm just I'm just trying to learn and it's uh, it's been a pretty positive experience. What is this? Oh, an Excellent, RGB man. LED, some RFID sensors, some, uh, let's see here, what else is this? This is like a, I feel like I'm doing an unboxing right now. There's a touch sensor, there's a, um, uh, what is this, radio frequency sensors, and it comes with a remote as well, so you can do a bunch of inputs that way. Uh, let's see, 9-volt battery, what else we got? 12-volt battery. Let's see. What is this? It's some shield of some type. LCD. I'm just talking now. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that comes with it, and... Um, Cool stuff.
2: Definitely cool. Man, you're making me want to grab one myself and start making something. Because that, like, self-watering plant would be hilarious to try and do. Oh,
1: it's very cool, man. Like, if you look up, yeah. like, Arduino projects, there's a lot of really neat things that you can do. And a lot of people are very um, forthcoming with their code. And they'll be happy to share it with you. And, and you know, you can even create schematics. So y- all you need, really, is someone to say, hey, this is how I did this thing. And this is how I set them up. Copy the code, paste the code, load it up, and you're good. Um, it's very cool. It's very cool. Um, super sick, man. Yeah. If anyone's interested, I, like I said, I'll put a link down below. Um, it's, it's been a ton of fun to code up. And so coding is always so rewarding when you actually get something to work. You're just like, yes, it worked. And then you're like, okay, how do I do this next thing? (laughs)
2: Well, especially like this because it's not like you're, you know, debugging in the browser or whatever. You're kind of coding something. That's that's another
1: good point. You're doing both, right? Because you're doing all these physical connections. So you have to have some understanding of electrical engineering and, you know, very cursory, of course. And I've learned a lot about electrical engineering as well, like what is a ground and what is the power source and how do these things relate on a breadboard? And um, I just like I love this project that I've set out for myself. I've learned woodworking. I've learned prop making. I've learned, uh, you know, weathering techniques for that thing. And I've learned, you know, all this Arduino stuff. And it's going to be so fun to like put this thing together and just have a finished product that I can say, "Blake, look at this thing!" And I'm pressing buttons, and I'll I'll share I'll share some of my progress pictures on Slack, and and hopefully that'll uh, maybe spark somebody else's uh, excitement and creativity with Arduino's. I can only imagine, man. It's awesome. All right. Well, I think I've gone on enough about that. Uh, all right. So why don't we go ahead and get into this next part of the show. That's right. It's Human Factors News. This is the part of the show where we talk about everything related to the field of human factors, not COVID-19. This is could be anything from uh, medical, privacy, you name it. As long as it relates to the field of human factors, it's fair game for us to sit here and chat about. Blake, what do we have up
2: first tonight? Nick, up first, I'm pretty excited about this. So this is finally we're seeing some drone delivery technology that's coming on. So on May 4th, CVS and UPS will begin to offer drone-based prescription drug delivery in Florida's massive retirement communities. So this news is part of the partnership with Matternet that began last last year, so utilizing the company's M2 drone system to make similar deliveries to customers in North Carolina. But last March, the company announced an initial deal in which the Matternet's drones delivering medical supplies at Wake Med's flagship hospital in North Carolina would be going on. So the drones are capable of carrying a five-pound payload and up to 12 miles, and the expansion comes as residents all over the U.S., of course, have diminished access to the outside world. So f- due to Florida's kind of like stay-at-home kind of extension, they are going to get to you know u- utilize this technology in their state to get you know medical supplies and basically prescriptions to older people in the populations of the state. And so the the kind of cool part that this comes with is it does cite that this is based off of some FAA guidance. So for these small unmanned aircraft regulations. Um, but I don't know, Nick, this one made me really excited only because we're finally seeing, you know, the application of drones to deliver products. And in a ca- in this case, it's kind of a super important one, you know, it, like we were talking about with one of the technical groups earlier while we were prepping. Right. It's it's getting stuff to an aging population using really awesome technology.
1: Spoilers. I wonder what that technical group was. Um, yeah, no. I, yeah, I wonder. Th-
2: yeah, this is very cool.
1: Um, this. So the thing that is exciting to me is that we've seen kind of these trials. And I feel like this is like the first real thing. Is that like, am I wrong in that? Like, I feel like we've seen like these, Oh, McDonald's is testing this with this place. And, um, yeah, they were supposed to be dropping, you know, happy meals on top of Uber. Where's our happy meal. Uh, so (laughs) (laughs) like, I feel like this is the first real thing though. Like this is the first, not only, um, uh, critical it's critical that people get their prescriptions uh, in a lot of cases right and so uh, but this is also I don't know I feel like the stakes are higher than just McDonald's for lunch um, so I yeah for sure I, I don't know and they're 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 abiding the FAA's uh, regulations right so I, I mean I'm sure the tests are as well but I don't know this one this one feels real to me where the other ones didn't that- yeah,
2: because, I mean, we've really focused on, you know, Amazon says they're going to use drones, and it feels like a very futuristic capability, and we're seeing, you know, drone delivery testing in, you know, in, like, New Zealand and Australia, but now we're actually seeing that they're being used, in, like, from this, you know, Matternets company and their specific drones in local states, and now they're even kind of transferring that to paying paying attention to, like, hospital needs and stuff like that, so that's pretty pretty amazing even considering that like in like in a state like north carolina they mentioned where they're kind of working with specific hospitals this kind of 12 mile radius uh, that it's able to travel with such a pretty heavy payload for a drone i mean that's that could be you know really intensive or important for people that are like if you needed drugs from another hospital or needed something from another hospital that you couldn't get you know, immediately. Otherwise, so I think it provides a lot of utility in terms of like travel time or just like emergency services.
1: Yeah, and I also like that this is providing it to a population that really needs it. Right, the 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 aging population is very at risk with what's going on, and so the fact that they are basically, well, I guess, it is a test, right? It is a test in this in this community, um, that is for a retirement community, but still, it's it it feels real in the sense that the stakes are high. Um, and I just, you know, if if this is successful, I feel like current world environments may f- uh, facilitate or or accelerate even the um, the necessity for something like this. Even though things are starting to reopen, I feel like this could still be very useful in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even right now, I mean, because in this particular state that it's supposed to be used in, the like stay at home thing at least extends for one more month. Well, that could be really a big impact for older populations that like can't rely on waiting an entire month before they can go you know, pick up another prescription or whatever it may be. So having these kind of drones that are able to, even if it's in a testing phase, I think it's a really kind of unique situation that we find ourselves in where you, we had this kind of global pandemic, but in the, in the case, it's kind of a forcing function to make technology evolve and just kind of test things that you would normally have to go through a long, you know, long winded process to get even off the ground at all.
1: Yeah. This'll be great for uh, generating a lot of data to say, Hey, this works. Uh, let's, push this to other applications too or other uh, other delivery services right pizza or whatever um it, if we can prove it works with prescriptions something that is critical to a lot of people then i don't see why we can't just keep moving on um if they can deliver pizza to me i'm gonna be so excited Oh yeah i mean all those college or all those uh, high school kids out of a job Um, and that's another, Oh no! I mean, that's, (laughs) That's that is another thing that you have to consider with this, right? Like this would kind of decimate some of those gig economies like DoorDash or Uber Eats. It would, it would absolutely decimate it because automation and uh, capability of the drone is going to be able to take over some of these, uh, very, I mean, these, uh, very popular services right now. Right. I mean, people don't want to leave their house.
2: Yeah. I don't know, actually. So I think that when I think of like drone operation um, at a high level and kind of the goals of it, in like introducing automation and stuff like that, so you you ultimately are you're taking away some jobs, but you're creating different ones. So you're creating the supervisor of the automation or whatever it may be. That's true. But in the case of like uh, delivery, like food delivery, if that ever kind of got off the ground, or even in some ways like prescription delivery. Yeah, you might not have to have the person being, like, last mile end to end from, like, uh, you know, provider to end customer. But I can't imagine, like, the place that I DoorDash the most from is this awesome Thai place that's up the street from me. I can't imagine them wanting to, you know, take the responsibility of having drones and, like, hooking them up putting the food out like the place is so slammed all the time like they just count on kind of like delivery services to come and do some of the work for them so i would imagine that it would just kind of change the job for some of the gig economy stuff Like maybe that you're basically hooking up stuff for a drone to take off and take for you which in some ways could be more could you could end up getting paid more for right because you're kind of more in charge of a piece of technical equipment um yada yada yeah but and, that's, and then you have like the whole
1: a, legal side of things like what if somebody shoots your drone down and how do you deal with claims like that and customer service and yeah i mean so yeah i mean it'll just transfer the jobs really at that point but yeah.
2: which is good it's nice to see because i think i think a lot of people do worry about like the, the automation taking jobs but a at least until <laughs> until like a lot more kinks are figured out, there will definitely be like job creation in addition to any that are removed. Yeah,
1: and it'll help with the stru- disruption of the industry again, right? Somebody will come along and do something more efficiently than even drones, and um, you know the cycle will continue.
2: Uh, yeah, once like we have robots that can do it all, then it's done. Yeah,
1: yeah, no kidding. Once, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, why don't we take a quick break? We'll be back with the other news story right after this.
0: Human Factors Cast strives to bring you the best in Human Factors Chatter every week. We pack news, interviews, reviews, and overall fun conversations into each and every product that we put our seal of approval on. But we can't do it without you. You see, the Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener-supported. All the funds that go into running this show come from the listeners. That's why we're giving back to our supporters on Patreon, now more than ever. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like 24-7 access to our exclusive Human Factors Cast Slack channel, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Cast Infinite, a Patreon-only podcast where the topic is human factors, etc. We're always updating our rewards, so stop by patreon.com slash cast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you all, and remember, it depends
1: all right and we're back uh i just want to thank all of our friends over at TechCrunch and new atlas for all of our news stories this week if you want to follow along you can find us in slack we do post links to all of our original articles there uh or you can follow us on social media too we do post them out there as well uh, all right we got one more news story this one's a great one i don't know if we need to spend a whole lot of time on it because it's just one of those kind
2: of wacky crazy cool things uh, but yeah. blake what do we got up next So this is definitely a fun one. So by far the most extreme gaming and simulation platform we've seen, the Nova places you in a fully untethered ball that's free to spin in any direction, creating all sorts of wild gravity effects for total immersion in a range of different vehicle types. So free to move in any direction, the Nova ball gives you some of the gravitational experience of being in a range of vehicles. So the base actually plugs into a standard three-socket plug, and while the ball itself contains a powerful computer, uh, and a battery storage rig, a chair harness, and a VR headset more or less. Whatever kind of control scheme you want to put in there, from car controls to flight yokes or helicopter helicopter controls, anything really goes. So even the seats can be switched out to match the vehicle you're trying to emulate, and VR tracking systems are used as part of the custom design program to take account of the ball's ability to place itself in any orientation in space. So, Nick, this this one popped into Slack, and I was so thrilled watching the video because it just seemed like so much fun. Like, I could only imagine the one time that I like had a VR experience was at your house, uh, play with the PS4 X-Wing, and I could only imagine how fun it would be to be in this ball flying around an X-Wing in space. Wouldn't
1: that be awesome, man? Like, oh, man, I, call me like a, a dreamer, but, man, I want that uh, someday. And, in fact, um, I'm going to go off on a slight tangent here. Uh, I know we just introduced the story, but I'm going to go off on a slight tangent. So, that project that I'm working on is the beginnings of kind of a larger project to eventually someday turn a whole room in uh, my house into a uh, basically a, a, a ship from Star Wars. Like, I, I have schematics actually drawn out, like what the cockpit would look like, how you can put TV screens in there, how you can basically program logic to go from one location to another and the dream is to basically put the cockpit on actuators. so when you're in the cockpit it feels like you're moving around ever so subtly right you're in a luxury ship you don't want it to be rocking too much but you know a little bit of movement to simulate that whoa we're, we're actually moving here inside a just
2: a little joy inside yeah. a
1: room can you imagine like just going down the hallway and then and in here we have uh oh yeah this is my star wars ship you can here we can get on board right now and uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> basically, I could totally see that being in your house. would uh, be amazing. Yeah. So anyway, that's a slight tangent. But this is a, as a nice uh, alternative if I can't get that to work, right? I could stick this in the corner of a garage and basically have the ultimate VR rig uh, to just have a ton of fun and get lost in an environment. The only thing is that this only works with vehicles, right? Like. If you're inside a yeah, vehicle. Yeah, it's very
2: vehicle-centric centric anyway. Um,
1: I didn't see anywhere on this, and nor can I see from some of the screenshots. Uh, but is there, like, ventilation holes? There's got to be. But, like, I can't, I can't imagine this is super comfortable uh, long-term, right? Because not only are you sweating because you have the VR goggles on, but you're sweating because you're inside a bubble with electronics that are producing heat. And so, like, how do they get around that problem?
2: Yeah, that's a good one. Because I mean, I think a lot of it, because just to back up for a second, this did like spawn out of somebody's garage. Like somebody just decided they would make one of these because they were really excited about getting a VR headset. Um, So I'm sure like some of the kinks like that have to still be worked out. And that's a really good point that it probably does get really hot in that ball. Although I have to say from all the videos that I watched, of course, they're edited really well and they are well shot. Um, But it doesn't seem like it's an uncomfortable place to sit in. So in terms of the, the airflow I would assume that that wouldn't be too crazy to to make sure there's something possible to go on there, whether it's, like, fans that are lowly blowing or whatever it may be. But, yeah, I mean, it's a good point because I don't know how crazy the electronics are because they make it seem like there's not a whole lot of it, anything going on besides just a powerful computer attached.
1: Right. I'm looking at this. I do see some holes in it, and it looks like there's actually a lot of, like, air pocket holes, too. So, it, you know, it looks like uh, the, the surface of a... Of a uh, uh, air hockey table. uh, Oh yeah, yeah. That's a good good analogy. Uh, And so you know, hopefully, uh, but yeah, it's really cool. You can like just throw any controls in there, bolt it down, and and call it good.
2: Um, Yeah, it's a weighted hamster wheel for sure. I love (laughs) that.
1: I love this so much. Oh, it does look like there's a fan. Blowing on. Uh, so I'm on the video. I'm at 10 seconds in and just above the PC that's anchored to a board on the left there. There is a fan that l- it looks like a fan right above it. So there, there definitely is uh, some options. So does this work just by like wheels in these uh, three containers that have like an XYZ rotation that makes the ball move in a certain
2: direction? Yeah, so that's how I understand it. It's just basically based off of the the turn that you're trying to take, depending on the vehicle you're in, right? Like it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot smoother and not as much you know x y or z rotation if you're in like a car versus if you're in like a or a X-wing. airplane. Yeah. But yeah, we'll say X. So I mean, there you go. So yeah, the it, I think it basically is just kind of balls that are swinging uh, based <laughs> on the direction that you're <laughs> you're flying or that you're looking.
1: Right. Well, that's well, it wouldn't mapped to looking right it would just be it would just be flying direction right because you could you could look to the right and be banking left and so you'd want the feeling like you're banking left but it wouldn't like i don't i don't think the the looking would be tethered right
2: yeah i think you're right more so that it was just like when you do look across because it, it or at least in the you know like 270 degrees that you can look everything does change but you're right that's not actually modulating how the ball is moving still though
1: that's got to be a trip man like just like i don't know i recently spent some more time in vr playing beat saber uh which i mentioned on the show a long time ago um which is really cool by the way right now they added a uh, fitness uh regimen in in beat saber so you you basically dance to songs it's kind of cool um but, uh, yeah, I mean, imagine feeling that, that uh, G-Force or, or simulated G-Force,
2: you know, I don't know. It's just the dream, man. It's the dream. It is the dream, but there, it's also it looks like a super, I don't know, to me, it, it seems like a really option. great training tool.
1: Yeah, and I mean, inside that bubble, you feel like you, you're actually in a cockpit, too, right? They say that you can swap out the seat and everything and make it feel, yeah, and so if, if they sell this to the military or they sell this to... You know, I can see even like NASCAR drivers getting behind something like this as a training simulation. You don't have to. That'd be so cool. You don't have to, especially right now, in in situations right now where you can't go out and do something like that, or like a Jamaican bobsled team or something. You just put them in that, and then they can uh, they can practice there.
2: Just do it, yeah. yeah.
1: All right, well, that was kind of the fun one. Uh, Let's get let's get switching gears one more time. It came from. It came from. And get to it came from Reddit. This is the part of the show where we search all over Reddit to bring you topics the community's talking about. We got time for one of these. Again, we're trying to keep these episodes short and concise. Uh, so, Blake, I'm going to go ahead and read this first one here because this one, I we talk about this all the time, really, offline. Um, so let's talk about it online. Uh, psychology book recommendation. This is from user Color Scientist on the user experience subreddit. Um, I'm going to write, I'm looking for a bit of lockdown reading and I'm interested in digging a little deeper into psychological patterns that can be applied to UX? Question mark. Ideally, behavioral subjects like choice, perception, emotional response, decision making, etc. And, of course, any recommendations. So, Blake, I'm going to throw this one over to you first. Uh, you mentioned this one before the show. I'm really interested to get your take on it.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, I'm actually going to flip the script a little bit based off what we talked about because there's kind of two books that come to mind i i'm big on like having you know books that are applied so one that i had recommended or talked about a little bit with nick was this book called i think it's just called the ux book and there's a couple versions of it now Um, but basically the the reason i like it for this but it may not be necessarily in line with what this person's looking for is it it does a really good job of talking about the UX or, you know, design process from end to end, but interweaving in the steps and how you analyze things. It does bring in a lot of the heavy psychology. So bringing in, you know, how do people make decisions and how do they anchor decisions based off of like stuff that, you know, and that you'd see what from Tversky or something like that. And it is really good about citing papers and stuff like that. You can go and dive a little bit deeper, but it gives you enough of the psychological concept to understand how it's being applied uh, to problem solving. Um, another one that I really like, just if you like diving into site concepts is thinking fast and slow. Like, I think I've read that book at least three times. I've just really enjoyed like the different, you know, forays into decision making and how it kind of impacts, you know, your brain overall. And it's just always been a fun, fun read. Uh, but, Nick, I know you've got some interesting picks for some psych books. Have you have you read it fast and slow? Uh, no, I've only read it slow because okay. I read slow because you read. OK, well, you know, I'm
1: I'll put links to by the way, I'll put links to all these books down in the uh description of this episode so that way you can find them if you if you do want to go and uh kind of check out some of our recommendations um i've recommended this one on the show many times before and i think it fits especially well with this as uh as they're looking for something like perception choice emotional response decision making that's all encapsulated in uh a book called evil by design and this is a book by chris nodder and he basically goes through the seven deadly sins. And how web design uh, is basically sort of um, kind of picking at these seven different sins in order to make people more responsive to the content that's on the website. Uh, So whether that's like applying or uh, applying gestalt principles to uh, completion with the um, with a circle, you know, and says, you're almost there. Why don't you just finish your registration and pay for it now? Um, so it it incorporates a lot of these techniques and it really kind of gets you, uh, it covers a lot of these behavioral subjects that you're kind of talking about here. I I can't recommend this book enough. I love it and I reference it frequently, um, on the show. I I talk about it all the time. It's, it's a really great read, uh, especially right now you're looking for something a little fun. Um, this is, this is kind of cheeky, right? And so, so, uh, I would go check that out. Um
2: yeah you've recommended it so many times I really need to just you know book up and read it cuz it seems up. like especially one of the ones that you were you gave some example earlier that was like oh that's kind of a fun fun way to think about you know how you can hack people's perceptions and stuff like that in a bad way but also how to avoid it too.
1: Yeah I mean really it's kind of getting at those like um, almost dark UX patterns and kind of saying hey this is how you avoid this type of stuff um but it frames it in a way of like Hey, if you wanted to design the ultimate evil system, I mean, you could. Uh, but I mean, like, you can very, you can very obviously tell that a lot of the methods and techniques that Dark UX uses are dickish. Um, so, uh, yeah. I mean, this is a great book, though. Great book. Highly recommend. Nice. <laughs> All right. Any other book recommendations from you, Blake?
2: I think that's it for me, man.
1: All righty. Well, let's go ahead and. Uh, Take it away. That's it for today, everyone. Let us know what you guys think of the news stories this week. Uh, and if you do check out those book recommendations, let us know how you like them. Um, I've, I've been wanting to talk to somebody about uh, the, the uh, Evil by Design for a long time. Uh, but you can join the discussion Or on our Slack uh, Or follow us on any of our social channels At HFactors Podcast. You can always email us at Show at HumanFactorsCast.com If you like what you hear You want to support the show You can leave us a review On your podcast medium of choice Or consider supporting us on Patreon Patreon um, We're very excited about Human Factors Minute But please consider that there are people out there That need your money more than us right now So potentially uh, think about donating to The Cure Before you donate to us uh, with that being said, you can reach us at our home on the web, humanfactorscast.com. I want to thank Mr. Blake Arnstorf for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about Arduino starter kits?
2: If you guys want to talk about Arduino starter kits, you can find me in the Human Factors Cast Slack or across social media at Don't UX. As for me, I've been
1: your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it depends. It depends.